0: Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate, Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Gabby Mackay and today I'm joined by Mr. Boombastic, Johnny McFarlane and me Julesy himself, it's Jules Boyle. <laughs> On today's pod we'll be discussing the potential opponents for Scotland's clubs in the play- playoff rounds of the Champions League and Europa League, as well as reviewing all this weekend's action. Yes, that's right, even Livingston nil, Motherwell nil.
1: Is
2: that, is that Loverman?
1: What is, what is Mr. Bombastic? It's that shaggy. shaggy. Yeah, Shaggy,
2: yeah. yeah. Mr. Loverman. Yeah. Mr. Okay. Okay. Lover. I'll take that. Yeah. No,
1: that's Shabbaranx, isn't it? Shabba. Perhaps now's not the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: We'll discuss this after. Let's get, let's get off Shaggy and get on to our first topic. <laughs> It's hot off the presses, it's the draw for the playoff rounds in the Champions League and Europa League. Should Celtic get past Romania's CFR Cluj, they'll be facing Czech champions Slavia Prague. The Czech League is ranked 13th in Europe by coefficient and Slavia were very impressive in Europe last season. They knocked out Genk and Sevilla to reach the quarterfinals of the Europa League where they were narrowly beaten 5-3 on aggregate by Chelsea. They've got Chinese owners behind them and a very impressive performer in the shape of midfielder Thomas Suchek, who scored 18 goals in all competitions last season. And their manager is called Yindrik Trypiszowski, and that is how you pronounce that. I've asked an actual Czech person. Jules, how tough of a draw do you think this is for Celtic?
2: Um, it's not the easiest to draw, is it? I think the I think everyone was kind of looking not to get um, young boys or or this lot, and we got, obviously the, 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 that's who is turned up. It's not as you said the Chinese money, and they've done well. They've, they, I mean they're straight into that round where they are, um, and you look at what they did last year in Europe. Um, it was it was some it's some tough games. They had the Seville game, um, you know six five on aggregate. I mean that was through. I mean obviously there's, there's goals there, but they do that, and then to get the, the Chelsea game. I remember watching um, those Chelsea games as well. They were they were fairly tight. Um, it wasn't as if it was kind of they were getting you know a formality to be stepped on or anything like that. So I think Celtic kind of got their, their their work out for them. Um, whether they get through the next round is one thing, but up to that, I think I think if Celtic get through the group stage Champions League at this point, looking at what they've got, it's going to be a real good result for them. Not not impossible, um, but it's certainly not a, an, an easy an easy route they've got at all.
1: No, it's going to be a difficult one to get past uh, Slavia Prague. There's no doubt about that. As you say. Uh, A team with Chinese money behind it, um, a team that's settled, that's been together a while now. I know they've lost two or three of their their supposedly better players from that run Um, this season. However, you do look through um, the ranks of their team and they do have some top quality players there. I think Celtic are going to have a really tough game against Cluj, Mm -hmm. never mind looking ahead to Slavia Prague. So I think it's important for Celtic fans that they concentrate, first of all, on getting through that tie because they are a very good side and Celtic will do very well if they get past them. Um, So whatever happens, it will be difficult for Celtic to to get through and it'll be a great achievement, especially when you consider this is a new Celtic defence and they are going to be tested in these two games you tell me it's possible I've learned to pronounce Yendrik Turpishovsky for no reason <laughs> I think Celtic will get past Kluge but I think it's going to be a difficult tie I wouldn't be surprised to see Celtic get defeated for example in Romania and uh, they might require one of those classic Celtic Park European nights with the disco lights in full flow and the fans uh, up to high dough to try and turn it round but uh, I think Slavia Prague if they get past that I think Neil Lennon will be very very happy indeed mm-hmm, definitely uh, Rangers have also
0: learned their opponents for the playoff round of the Europa League should they get past Danish side FC micheland they'll face either Legia Warsaw or Greek side Atromitos. Johnny do you see Rangers getting through against Mícheland? and if they do just how difficult do you think a trip to Poland or Greece would be
1: I think it'll be difficult to get past Mícheland. it's quite similar to Celtic in a way um, everything that I've read about Michelin is they're very very good when it comes to set pieces and they're going to cause Rangers a lot of problems on that front we've already seen from the first game of the season that set pieces possibly aren't Rangers' uh, strong point uh, Nika Katic, Nikola Katic is uh, good at heading the ball and will be key I think in in, in that kind of uh, tactical uh, issue that they might have um, but uh, I do think that they'll have enough to get through Rangers have built up a decent amount of European experience last season uh, they know how to handle these two-legged affairs and I think they'll get through Ligia Warsaw will be a difficult tie. Um, I don't know a lot about Atromatos other than, you know, they're a small side based out of Athens, 10,000-seater stadium, but they did well last season and have come on a game uh, over the last couple of years. Um, I fully expect it to be Legia Warsaw from what I've seen um, that I'll get through in that one and, and I think Rangers have got a, a better than even chance of getting through those two games, but... Anything that they do do will be a bonus because these are really, really tough ties. They're, uh, you know, on the, It's very, very much dancing on the end of a razor. Could go I- either way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, I think mean, they're.
2: Um, again, as you said, similar to Celtic games, there's no formalities here. I think, Ray, there is, you know, Rangers. Very possibly could qualify and get through these things but at the same time they could get rattled out at either level um, because these are, these are decent sides they're coming up against um, and it could be it could go either
1: way. It's very difficult Gaby for us because we don't watch a lot of these teams these are not household names, I mean if you yeah. asked me about Juventus or, or, or Chelsea I can give you a, a reasonably good analysis of what these teams are like um, so what I did was I went on to Transfer Market and had a look at their overall values, now Transfer Market is <laughs> notorious for uh, the <laughs> Scottish football values but this might be quite useful in terms of just giving you a sense of the budgets of the teams or the value of the teams. Um, Rangers are thirty-two million. Uh, Legia Warsaw is twenty-seven point four five. So not a lot of difference there in mm. terms of how they're mm. valued. Uh, Atromatos, uh, though ten million. So you'd have to fancy Rangers to be big favourites if they were to go through. Um, from Celtic's point of view, going up against Slavia Prague, they're sixty million. Their squads valued at and anyone who's looked at their values knows that that's really underpowered in terms of how much Celtic uh, squad are worth. But Slavia Plague 40 million uh, and if you look at the teams that Celtic could face if they were to lose to Kluj and drop down into the Europa League, that is FC Sheriff um, of um, I think Moldova, they're 10 million and Aik of Sweden who are about 13 million. Um, so if they go through to the if they go out and go to the Europa League, I think they've got a very, very good chance of going into the group stage there. Um, so Celtic I think have have got a good situation. Um, Rangers of course it's going to be a lot bit more difficult because if they get put out by land they're just out
0: absolutely um, it'll be two tough games for both teams but I think for Rangers and Celtic fans Warsaw and Prague are pretty good away trips if you can get those <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've finally got we've got Aberdeen who will be facing AEK Larnaca or Belgian side Ghent which is not Genk they're different places a Belgian person had to tell me that what do we reckon to that one again with the caveat that we don't have a huge amount uh, of knowledge about
1: certainly Larnaca well, again, Larnaca, 8000000 million. They're valued at their squad. But Ghent are valued at £77 million. To put that into context, Aberdeen, £10.6 Ghent have got a huge budget. They've been able to attract Mika Lustig off on wages, I think, that, that, that blue Celtics offer out the water. So that is going to be an enormously difficult task for Aberdeen. But you know what? I think they can get past Rieka. They've beaten Rieka in the past... And you never know in a two-legged affair. And if Aberdeen were to get to the Europa League group stages, that would be an absolutely incredible achievement. It's going to be enormously difficult. Um, Ghent just look to me, massively overpowered against those potential four teams that they could play. Um, but if they get there, uh, they'll have done a great job. And of course, Derek McInnes might have to do that without Scott McKenna after the raised news that he's putting a transfer request. So Yeah, I was just actually going to ask Jules about that. Um,
0: we've heard he's put in a transfer request and... Apparently Aberdeen have rejected that request, so they're going to have an unhappy player on their hands. We know how player power generally works these days. If he goes, just how big of a loss would he be to Aberdeen? I think it'd be a massive
2: loss. I think the fact that they're rejecting the request is all they don't want to lose him. Um, he, he's, he's a key player for them, I think, it, especially you know, are, are they going to be bring anyone in to replace him? Uh, what they get from what they're going to do with that, um, get someone buried in. They're not going to whatever they get for him. They're not going to get someone of his calibre to replace him it's not, is not going to be how it works and you can see why they don't want to lose him Um refusing a transfer request isn't technically the best way to hold on to a player obviously they can technically hold on to him but if he's unhappy is he going to be the same player that he was is he going to be doing that sort of thing it's a tricky one for them it's more something you'd try and you would think they would, they would probably are trying to keep him sweet but then rejecting the request I think
1: I, I don't think Aberdeen are concerned about losing Scott McKenna I think they're concerned about losing him for less than what they value him Are Uh you
0: surprised that he's put in a transfer request obviously I guess trying to force a move but you know from the outside you didn't really think of him as being that kind of player who would necessarily try and force a move so are you surprised he's put that in Johnny Not really because I think
1: money talks in football nowadays you've got a player who's been subject of two bids from the championship we know about the ridiculous level of money that's on show down there now I know it's the Premier League but we've just seen Harry Maguire go for £80 million pounds to Manchester United. That is how crazy the money is down there. And Scott McKenna, I don't know what he's on at Aberdeen, you know, maybe uh, three, 4,000 max. Um, you go down to QPR, you go down to Nottingham Forest. They're not huge clubs, but they're, they're, they're mid-level English clubs. He's probably looking at tr- trebling, quadrupling, times in it by five. That's life-changing amounts exactly. of money. So if you're a, a footballer and it's your career and it's your family's livelihood at stake, and you've got the potential to make a move that you want to make at a financial deal that will completely change your life, then it's small beer to annoy Aberdeen fans or the Aberdeen management team to try and get that and agitate for that move. I mean, we've seen Paul Pogba do it to Manchester United. Um, So we shouldn't be surprised to see someone doing it here in Scotland. And that applies to Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen, Hearts, whoever.
0: Absolutely. Well, the good news is we've finally got some league football to talk about with the Premiership coming back this weekend. So we're going to have a look at all of the games here and we'll start at Rugby Park, where Rangers emerge with a narrow 2-1 win over Kamarnock, thanks to a late goal by Connor Goldson. There were some unfortunate scenes in the stands, which I think has been covered well enough. So if we focus on what happened on the pitch, do we think Rangers showed signs of improvement from last
1: season? Not really. Um, I think Rangers fans should be concerned um, I th- you look at the, the amount of work that's been done um, in the summer and I thought it was it was looking very good. And in Joe Aribo, they had found somebody that had the potential to be a game changer. They've added uh, a lot of players in the forward areas. But it was the same old story. Uh, Kilmarnock set up with a very narrow back four. They had their two wingers tucking in. So it was like a back six with a deep line defence. There was absolutely no space for Rangers to play in. And if you think back on the game, how many chances did Rangers actually have until maybe the last 20 minutes when Angelo Alessio opened up a little bit? Very few. They relied on a goal from a set piece because Nico Katic is very good in air. Managed to get in, head of the ball, got ahead of, uh, I think it was Stuart Finlay. And then, of course, Scott Arfield has a tap in. Although it was a clever finish, actually, because he had to raise the ball, he had to loft it slightly. Alan Power fell asleep a little bit as well. <laughs> to
0: the rebound, he should have been should have been on putting on a bit more pressure. I think. But That's the Kelly perspective. Finish. Yes, um,
1: and then of course the <laughs> the, the, the 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 goal that, that won the game was another set piece. It was a excellent delivery by James Tavernier and Connor Golson sticks the ball in the back of the net the Town and header. But that was pretty much all that Rangers produced. A couple of moments of magic from Aribo with a good save from the the keeper, who I thought was quite impressive, by the way, the the new killer keeper. Um, But again, it's it's Rangers struggling against that low block. Rangers looking uninventive. Rangers midfield looking a little bit square, a little bit stagnant, not getting in between the lines. I know there wasn't a lot of space uh, for them to play in, but I just think that they're going to have to go and shell out some more money on players who can make the difference in these type scenarios. All you have to do is look across the river at Celtic and who they have at number ten. Tom Rogic, Callum McGregor, Ryan Christie. All three of those guys would walk in a Rangers team every single week. That's the quality they have, decisive quality, and that's you know, that's gonna be the difference come May unless Rangers add some of that. Yeah. Um, Jules,
0: on the other side of the coin, did you think that perhaps the hysteria over Angelo Alessio's appointment and the uh, Europa League exit to Connors Key Nomad, do you think yesterday showed that maybe there hasn't been that big of a drop off from Steve Clark? You know, as Johnny says, played a very similar
2: way. Similar first eleven without obviously the depth that there was there last season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of the the European games that they, they played in because I was on holiday myself. Um, so I just saw highlights. A, so a lot of
1: the European well, games. I think there was. I <laughs> mean, was, nice, was
2: There gave, was, gave how many two. was there? There were two. <laughs> 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 I was be nice. So, but yeah, um, we, what, what, what I saw yesterday, I thought was quite. Should be quite um, heartland for heart, uh, for. Uh, Command up fans, Rangers. As Johnny said, they do seem to struggle with unlocking. and am you know, using the, the low block, but they do seem to struggle with that. But uh, alesso had them set up perfectly. They looked
1: organised. They looked up for it. Um, I think S- were- second half they actually were quite expressive. When they yeah. came out and they, mm-hmm. th- th- I thought uh, Greg Taylor was absolutely sensational. It's very rare that you see a left back driving the entire team forward. James Tavernier occasionally does it for Rangers but he was absolutely outstanding and uh, Steven Gerrard and Kelly fans won't thank me for this but if Steven Gerrard's looking for a life back he <laughs> could do a lot worse than look at Greg Taylor.
0: I think he's certainly a better left-back than Andy Halliday and on yesterday's evidence, certainly Barisic. Mm-hmm. But before we sell Greg Taylor to Rangers, we'll move on. <laughs> to, Moving on swiftly. Yeah, <laughs> to the previous day where we saw Celtic get their title defence underway with an absolute monstering of St. Johnson, uh, a man we've all tipped for big things this season. Ryan Christie scored a hat-trick with two fantastic left-footed pings and, it must be said, one goalkeeping howler. Just how big a statement was this, Jules, and how... Ominous, do you think
2: this looks for the rest of the league? I think that was exactly what it was. It was a statement. They were they were going out to make a statement. Um, obviously, it's flag day. There's been a lot of talk. They've had new players in. They've had to said there's new defenders. Um, there's a lot of talk about Rangers getting in these players. There's you know there's, there's you know going for nine in a row or are they not? There was all this hype up before it. I think it was important for Celtic to come out and have a statement of intent, put a marker down, and say no. Everything's fine here. This is what we are doing, and we're going ahead. Obviously, no disrespect to Saint Johnson, it's not the hardest game they're ever going to get at Celtic Park. But saying that, putting seven past anyone is not a, not an easy thing, no matter who it is. Do you know what I mean? And they came out, and they were just relentless. It was absolutely like uh, you could tell they were, how much they're enjoying it without taking the rip out of it. But they were just like every direction coming from every player seems to be hungry and fired up. The the movement was amazing. They were just it was constant, constant, constant. And it was just kind of you were watching, it, thinking, right, okay, this is a team that are that are very focused on what they're doing. They're very up for it. Um, they've got the depth already when they bring on um, Griffiths and the Cham as as substitutes. I mean, at that level of quality they're bringing on, the team just keeps rolling and doing this thing that it's got almost a kind of a machine level of it at the moment. Um, and obviously, there's going to be a lot more tougher games coming up in, in the league as well. But as starts go, I mean, it was a d- very deliberate they didn't take the foot off the gas do you know what I mean they were out to put a marker down
1: I think to be fair to Neil Lennon as well he's been talking about how he wants to make that a more direct team mm. a more engaging and exciting team and you're actually starting to see that now I know there was a lot of people on uh, social media platforms who see these pronouncements by Lennon um, detailing that as evidence that he's an anachronism but actually once you see an action he's not talking about being direct in terms of lumping the ball forward He's talking about variation. And for me, that was the thing that was most impressive about Celtic. There was crossing it in the box. There was balls over the top. There was lightning quick counter-attack. There was lovely interchange. It was a lot more dynamic than what we've seen in sort of maybe the, the second two years of Brendan Rodgers' um, period as manager. And certainly a lot more dynamic than towards the end of last season when Lennon took over. So you're maybe starting to see now The philosophies of Neil Lennon come into this Celtic team. I was blown away by how good they were. I thought they were absolutely sensational. That said, St. Johnson were totally and utterly risable. It was one of those terrible, terrible anti-football performances that you see, that you just have yourself shaking your head. You know the manager has gone there to to Parkhead and said, right, let's put the shutters up. Um, And when it doesn't work in that first 20-minute spell, if they don't weather that storm, it's an old cliche but it's true, then the floodgates open and uh, I thought Xander Clark had an extremely poor game to be fair as well. Not only did he make the mistake um, for the second Ryan Christie goal, I thought there was a couple of the other ones where he didn't exactly cover himself in glory. Odds Edwards' goal when he went round them so easily. Um, another example, so I think St Johnson fans will be looking at it um, really concerned by the start their season, their side's made to the season because they've obviously had this disaster of going out of the Betfred Cup Um about so uh, but Celtic very impressive. Okay so we'll move on to Aberdeen v Hearts which
0: was a match-up between a Derek McInnes team and Craig Levine's jambos so was predictably drab oh actually no hold on (laughs) I'm just getting word it was a belter of a 3-2. Johnny was this the game of the weekend?
1: Certainly looked to be from the highlights um obviously it was uh, I watched the Celtic game and uh, the Rangers game in their entire entirety um covering the games but um from watching it on a sports scene last night, it looked like it was an absolute humdinger. And actually, both are good teams, you know. Uh, I think especially Aberdeen, their new signings look very impressive. You saw Hedges, who came up with the winner, looked impressive, I think, throughout, throughout the game. A wonderful bulleted strike. One of those ones that you just could watch over and over again. He hit the ball so hard, it literally like, it was going to rip through the net. And because it was late in the game and uh, Aberdeen had turned it round with like five minutes to go from 2-1 down to 3-2 and um, obviously it was incredible scenes at, at Pittodrie; the fans going mad and I think Aberdeen are going to have a pretty good season uh, this year so I think that that um, that's a certainty I think they'll be third Hearts I think were a little bit unlucky in that their 17 year old left back Aaron Hickey showed his inexperience booked twice neither tackle particularly bad But the second one, he just dives in on the edge of the box, totally unnecessary to do it, and it leaves his team a bit short. And from that free kick, Aberdeen equalised to get a penalty. So it's the worst possible moment, and I can understand why Craig Levine was talking about it being a bit of a gut punch at the end, because five, ten minutes to go, I can't remember the exact moment of the sending off, a player gets sent off, the subsequent free kick is a goal and then Aberdeen get the the crucial winner with, with uh, minutes remaining. So it was a tough one to take, but I think um, Hearts showed by grabbing two goals and coming back from behind. Um, they're going to have a bit about about them again this season. And Stephen Naismith obviously came on at half-time, completely changed the game, looked like he was right back bang on it where he left off. And, and just underlined what we've been saying on this podcast for some time is that he's going to be a major player for Hearts this season. Okay,
0: Ross County will move on to next. Their return to the Premiership brought a 3-0 win over Hamilton and Dingwall, which leaves them second in the table after this weekend's action. So... The second force, Ross County, as things stand. (laughs) So do we think this is a sign that County will be a lot better than we expect this season? Or is it perhaps an omen that Brian Rice's more open and adventurous style might not be the way forward for the Ackies? I'll just throw that out to the room. I know Johnny's a big fan of Brian Rice.
1: Well, I had uh, (laughs) had that Hamilton on my uh, accumulator. Which I immediately regretted because um, Chris, who's often on the podcast, said to me, "Oh, Ross County are going to are going to take Hamilton apart." No problem. And I said, "No, no, no. It's going to be it's going to be Hamilton. They're going to go up there and sort them out." Because I wasn't impressed by Ross County um, whenever I saw them last season. I didn't see them an awful lot, but when I saw them, I thought they they looked very direct, and I thought they would struggle when they came up. But they they tore them apart and they got out about them. They pressed them high. Um, obviously, people know Hamilton are going to get that ball down on the deck and play football. So the managers that are savvy in this league will do that, and uh, they looked very fit, and of course, in Billy McKay, they've got a player that can hit the back of the
0: net. I mean, last season, we saw Hamilton, they played at home to Rangers, they were quite open and they got battered. They played Comarnock, they were quite open and they got <laughs> battered. They also won some games, um, so do you think that the way Rice wants to play, do you think that will sort of see them winning more games and maybe getting a few more bad defeats, or do you think that maybe... For a team of Hamilton's level, with Hamilton's budget and Hamilton's players, it's just not really the
2: way to play. i um, far be it for me to tell a professional manager um, how to play and how to do his job, but obviously that that is our jobs to do. That <laughs> is it. Um, yeah, I think more the latter. To be honest, it's it's that kind of thing where if you've got a particular style of team the way you play, especially with generally kind of the same, you know, regularly of that of that style. Other managers suss it out. Other managers know what to do, and they can see you come. They can prepare for it, and they can they can set up their team to counteract it. And Hamilton, unfortunately, are a team that's very very easy to predict, and a lot of the time. And I think you're going to get, especially the better teams that can do it, have got the players to to deal with. It. Um, you might have other teams that kind of can't. You know, they know what to do, and they can't actually put any action. But I think yeah, they're going to be in, in, the, in the, the the end a few scalps this season. I think.
1: If I'm a Hamilton fan though, Gabby, I think I would rather see. A manager that came in and adopted a passing style of football they've watched turgid aggressive in your face um percentage football for three or four years now and if i'm a hamilton fan and i know that i'm a yo-yo club i'd probably rather gamble on that and try to see something that's a bit more entertaining every week In the knowledge that we might go down rather than have to keep just watching that that, that style of football because that just wears you down and you got a sense of that towards the end of uh, the previous manager's regime there that all was not well amongst the fans and a change was required so I do understand why Hamilton fans uh, would rather have that and potentially that might that might come back to bite them in the bum.
2: Yeah, I think it is, kind of, it is murder watching that kind of football but I think if you then get relegated the result of it um, there is that thing of well at least we are playing some sort of you know, thing and some people will see that but I think a lot of other thought, you know, you'd rather you'd rather win, you'd rather not lose, you'd rather not get relegated a lot of the time, I think, personally, do you know what I mean, of that kind of thing. And I think if you get put down in the grubber, shall we say, um, you know, you'd be looking at we're going well, at least we played well, we have done this sort of stuff, we mm. came out and at them. It doesn't mean anything if, you've been, if you're down in the, the, the second flight of football, do you know what I mean? Um, it's a tough one, it's not, it's not easy for Hamilton fans, do you know what I mean, but I think you're definitely right. The last few seasons you can see how discontented they were watching. Yeah. Um, to an understatement to be honest actually but at the same time they weren't getting relegated The
1: the one thing about Ross County that's going to be massively interesting to see going forward is this experiment of having two managers How, how is this going to play out because I was always of the opinion that essentially it's almost certain that one of these guys is going to get moved upstairs or moved to another position in the club it's just inevitable because you need to have a boss, there needs to be one person that's in charge, that's what you would normally think. I mean, they didn't think that in ancient Rome, but that was three. Well, Johnny's just just reinforcing
0: the capitalist hegemony of the world there by saying we all need a boss, and I disagree.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. He's off his classicist background.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have to be honest, I haven't actually seen the next game we're going to talk about, or the highlights, which was Hebb's 1-0 win over St Mirren. I was in London at the weekend, so I was busy shouting park life at people while this game was going on. I wish that was a joke. I'm looking at the stats here. We've got both teams with five shots on target. St. Mirren had nine shots off target to Hibbs eight, and the winner from Scott Allen was about the 85th minute. So, Johnny,
1: was this a tense and tight affair? It certainly didn't look that way. Um, Hibbs had two stone wall penalties, both handball turned down, both certain penalties. Um, they had a goal disallowed for God knows what reason. It's, it was absolutely ridiculous that it was it was chalked off. Um, uh, flooring Cambery uh sticking the ball in when he was clearly onside and the person who took the shot um, that, that he picked up the rebound from he was offside, He was onside as well so it was and I'm not talking about just onside I'm talking about yards onside so they should have had a goal there um, Scott Allen who was magnificent throughout had a shot where he, he took a beautiful curling lofted chip from the edge of the box came down back off the inside of the post uh, everyone on the ground, I think, would have thought that was in. So on another day, it could have been five nil. Jim, uh, sorry, Jim Goodwin, after the game, talked about how glad he was that the players that he brought in followed the tactical plan, got word dogged, stuck in, and he said because Hibs are a really good side and they're going to take four or five off quite a few teams this. Uh, this season, and I'm glad sort of my team wasn't one of them. That's a, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that was the the sentiment. So, so yeah, you look at the stats and you think it would have been a close game, and St. Man did really well, and they did do well. They were dogged, but uh, Hibs were certainly from the, the highlights were were, were dominant. It's a strange one
0: that, that's Canberra because he had one in the Bedford Cup as well where he was about three yards onside and he had it disallowed. So there's obviously some sort of agenda against the Swiss. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And finally, Livingston drew 0-0 with Motherwell. Now, there's not a huge amount to say about that game, so we'll make it a little bit of a wider point. Jules, Motherwell have been highly touted ahead of the new season. Gary Holt's side were tipped for relegation by many, including me, I must say. Do you think this result shows that we were all horribly wrong on both counts or is it too soon to be making any judgments?
2: I think it's far too soon to be making judgments. Um That is just, that's your standard cheek draw. Um, and I think it's far, I, I don't think you can even uh, make any decisions on that. I know it's kind of a gainer job, but um, yeah, I don't think, I can't see Livingston doing great this season. Um, Motherwell, I expect, you know, some solid mid-table action from um, of that of that level, probably a bit higher up. Hopefully, possibly, I can see them doing it. But with a result like that, and for you know for what I can see of it, it wasn't but anything particularly telling for this season. I don't think really.
1: Well, I mean, Livingston will be delighted with that draw because, as you say, everyone's been writing them off, and they are probably delighted with that as well because that's the kind of club they are. They're mm-hmm. scrappy. They're punching above their weight. They will want people to say, you know, this lot are going down because they'll pin it up on the dressing room wall, and that'll be part of the. The methodology of Gary Holt um, in terms trying to motivate the team. It's a good start for them, uh, not so good for Motherwell, obviously, given that there was high expectations, but as a away point, is probably satisfactory overall for both teams yeah and Livingston was obviously a tough place to go last season it may prove to be the same again this yeah, season no- nobody's going to enjoy playing on that pitch I've stood on that pitch it's not the best um, and certainly in terms of like you know if we're going to play seven a side on it or nine a side on it tomorrow we'd be delayed with it but in yeah. terms of elite football I don't think so um, certainly not as good as Kelly's new pitch which I did think looked a bit better at the weekend don't know if you've got anything to say on that Gabriel um No, I'm on the
0: plastic pitches. Is what I have to say on that. (laughs) (laughs) No, well, look, the plastic pitch debate. I'm sure we'll have it. I'm sure we'll get into that one day. We'd need about. We'd need an extra ten-minute section, I think, to get into the pros and cons of uh, artificial surfaces. So I think we'll we'll leave that one for today. I will just briefly mention though that Jules. Though he's saying he can't give managers advice he's actually fourth in the Football Scotland Fantasy Football League Ooh. Just ahead of Chris who's in sixth I believe Adam's 15th I think Johnny's up there as well I'm letting the team down in 27th Out of about 45 people You know A solid mid-table effort Fourth baby yeah, so uh, if anyone, I mean, I know the season started, but I think you can still get involved. It's the details are on the Twitter account, you know, whatever. Join beat, the league. Beat, yeah. Jo- mean, join the league, beat Jules, because if Jules wins, we'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> you know, the, da. the
1: reason you can taste my tears over the florian Cambari goal is not because I am, in fact, a Hibs fan, as people suggest, but because he is leading the line for my fantasy football team, and it would have really pushed me up enter the top five so
0: yeah, yeah could that be worse you could have Eamon Brophy and his horrible <laughs> miss which uh, as a Kilmarnock fan and someone with Eamon Brophy and my fantasy football team was doubly uh, gutting <laughs> uh, so that's probably about time to wrap it up for us here at Football Scotland today we'll be back tomorrow before 4pm just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable you can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter the Twitter is at football underscore scott to ask a question and make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at Gary Mackay, Johnny on... Johnny Arm... at Johnny R Ar- McFarlane. And Jules on... Captain at Howdy. No, Captain underscore Howdy. Yep. <laughs> Until tomorrow,
2: thanks for listening. <laughs>